Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Red Sox Precap Podcast, your podcast from the Over the Monster Podcast Network, where we recap the series that just ended, preview the series that's about to start for the Boston Red Sox. I'm your host, Keaton DeRocher, joined, as always, by Bailey Von Schneider. Bailey, glad to have you back and glad recapping some Red Sox. Yeah, same. I'm glad to be back. Awesome. Well, uh, we got a nice, interesting little series here for the Blue Jays to recap, so let's dive on in. <sighs> yes. So, game one, you know... Not much happened for the Red Sox, a lot for, you know, that juggernaut of an offense that, you know, the Toronto Blue Jays have. The, uh, you know, the matchup was Seabold versus Gossman, and um, Seabold didn't really look too sharp. You know, it was four and two-thirds, uh, seven runs, seven, all seven earned, nine hits, one walk. He did have seven Ks, but uh, it was... um. It wasn't the best, but I mean, it's one of the best lineups in baseball. So for him to have gone out and had like a stellar start, I would have been like, oh, damn. Um, but then the bullpen looked pretty decent in this one. We had Danish, Davis, Sawamora, and Robles finish it off with three and a third scoreless innings. The offense really wasn't doing much. You know, they did scatter eight hits throughout the game. Um, two hit days from Verdugo, Vasquez, and Dahlbeck. Um, so like, what did you think about Siebold's outing? Yeah, you know, I didn't think it was that bad of an outing, to be honest. I mean, obviously the line doesn't look great. Mm. Uh, he gave up three homers, which is naturally going to hurt. Yeah. Um, but his stuff didn't look that bad and he had some really good at bats. Um, Vlad Jr.'s first at bat, he struck him out on a really nasty looking slider off the plate, had him fooled. Uh, then Vlad Jr. being the amazing mm-hmm. hitter that he is, yeah. came up in his next at-bat and took him out of the park. Um, like 
you know, this is his first start. What do you want him to do? Yeah. <laughs> so it was a really good lineup. It was a tough task. It's Obviously, very tough. It's a, it's a hitter's park too. So it was a tall task. So I wasn't expecting a lot, and that's kind of what we got. But I wasn't super disappointed. You know, the stuff that I saw, um, I'm interested to see him come back and uh, get uh, a start against a lineup that isn't nearly as powerful mm-hmm. uh, and see how he looks because this is a really tough task on the road for your first start. Uh, but he had some moments where he, he looked, looked like he belonged. Uh, you know, seven strikeouts yeah. in four and two-thirds. That's a pretty good sign. Only one walk. That part looked great. Nine hits is a lot. Three homers is a lot. Um, maybe it's just two around the strike zone, but that's stuff that'll figure out. So, uh, you know, overall, the line doesn't look great, but I think there was still a lot of stuff to be encouraged about. Yeah, like going into the, you know, I think he was maybe left in a little longer, but then, you know, that's a problem because our bullpen isn't the biggest strength. So you tend to leave people in longer, even if they're getting a little shaky. But you are right. I mean, it was going up against one of the best lineups in baseball. Uh, first start of, you know, 2022. It, it is a big task. Um, so I, I'm not discouraged by any stretch either, really. Yeah. Another piece, uh, JBJ is wrapped up in a real bad stretch um, of over 25, I believe is what it's at. It might be over mm. 26 um, now after his over 4. Um, and we got some questions on the, the Red Seat that episode that Jake and I recorded last night uh, about DFAing JBJ when uh, we get back to having uh, Jaron Duran with the team. Um what are your thoughts on that? Because it, it seems like the calls are getting louder and louder now. Um, I don't necessarily think a DFA. Um, my One of the people that I podcast with, Ed Hand, he brought up a, a, a pretty good uh, showing of like, JBJ is better at Fenway than he is on the road. He has no business being in the everyday lineup, but he is pushed there. But that this is like a value as a fourth outfielder because the defense is just so outstanding that you can use him, utilize him within the idea of a matchup, utilize him more at Fenway versus, you know, anywhere else. And if you utilize him as a true fourth outfielder, there's value there. And I don't think a DFA should be something we talk about. It wouldn't be anything we were talking about if he wasn't pushed into a starter role. And that's not his fault. That's the fault. No, it's really nobody's fault. It's injury. And he's been pushed in there. And it's a role that at this point in his career, he's just not anymore. And that's how I feel about it. And I've I've had a love-hate relationship with Jackie Bradley Jr. over. I've loved him as a person the entirety of his career. Um, but I've always also been frustrated. So when we, like, got rid of him, but then immediately brought him back. I just felt like I was in a fever dream. Um, But (laughs) like, truthfully, I was like, this can't be real. Um, But I do think that he is a a valuable fourth outfielder. So when things start to, you know, like you piece out, like, you know, you can put the pieces back. You have Duran. To me, your best outfielder outfield is Duran, Kike and Verdugo. And if this is your fourth outfielder, I'm damn okay with that. Truthfully. Yeah, I had the exact same reaction as you. Um, I think his role is best fit in the fifth outfield or fourth outfield role, mm-hmm. um, and so I, I don't think DFAing makes no. sense. But so. he's just been pushed into a role that he shouldn't be in, mm-hmm. and uh, when we get the pieces back, then he can fit that role and he'll be right where he belongs. So mm-hmm. I had the exact same reaction. Game two, 
Walker versus Stripling. Red Sox got the loss. Plenty to talk about with this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Waka, seven innings pitched, seven hits, four runs, all earned. Three walks, only two strikeouts. Brazier and Schreiber followed with clean innings. Uh, then Danish followed with one clean inning and then attempted a six-out save, uh, which did not go well. Mm-hmm. Allowed a hit and a walk and then was replaced by Hansa Robles, who lasted four pitches, giving up two hits, blowing the save, saddling Danish with the loss. There were no outs recorded in the ninth, and the Red Sox took the loss. Uh, Verdugo and Vasquez both had uh, two hit days again. Ruff Snyder also had two hits. Story and Ruff Snyder both hit homers. So, first, uh, thoughts on Waka. Again, we talk about just how great this offense is that he's facing. The fact is that Michael Waka, who came into this season being people thinking your fifth starter or maybe not even making the rotation he gets through seven innings giving up i'm going to say only four but like only four against an extremely formidable lineup he did he was a little dicey it wasn't the cleanest start but like to me it's like you're getting innings and you were in a position where you should have won this game so like he put you in a position to win this game. And then it was the bullpen that blew this game. So I truly have really no issues with Michael Walker having this type of a line against, you know, the Toronto Blue Jays. I had a typo in there. It was five innings, not seven. I got to think mixed oh. up the hits in the innings. But still. Oh, okay. um, still, still. I was going to say seven looks Kept great. him in it and gave him a chance yeah, to win. Absolutely. You are correct. <laughs> so all you can really ask for from that aspect of things and from somebody who came in being potentially your fifth starter and has stepped it up in so many other ways that again, against one of the best lineups in this game, I have no, I cannot fault him truthfully. Yeah. It's, it was, wasn't a bad outing. I would have liked to see more strikeouts. Mm -hmm. Uh, This team does have some swing and miss, but yeah. Kept him in there, gave you guys, gave the team a chance to win and just then we blew it. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> didn't have which brings us to our follow-up question uh tanner Houck unavailable for, uh-huh. for the save here uh tyler danish going six outs for the save was that the right move should robles had have immediately been the guy to go to in the ninth um tom karen after made a, a note of robles era in the ninth inning is over eight so he has struggled in these high leverage situa- situations but at the same time you had already gone to schreiber so he was off the board I don't know who else he really could have gone to, but Danish for six seems like a bad idea. Yeah, and it proved to be a bad idea. He did his job, in my opinion, and then you're bringing, you're asking him to do more than what he's maybe capable of. Uh, Robles has closing experience, whether or not you know you look at what the ERA was for this year. He's just been god awful this year, and it's wild to me. He's he's kind of because he was really solid at the end of 2021 for the Red Sox, like he was. I thought bringing him back made a lot of sense, but it's like this is the volatility of relief pitchers, and you know this is why people are like, why didn't we give a ton of money to Kenley Jansen? I was like, because even Kenley Jansen, who is unfortunately dealing with a, a heart issue right now. There's, yes, he's he's seemingly over his career more reliable, but that's the thing. Like, there's just a volatility. Like, Kenley Jansen could have just completely sucked this year. You don't know. And that's why I like the way Haim, for the most part, builds his bullpens, is he finds somebody like Schreiber. Danish did his most of his job in this game, you know, and it just proves, it's just proved that what we talk about, the idea of somebody being unvaccinated and going into a country that requires vaccination status to be vaccinated to 
to enter their country, which they have every right to do. I'm hashtag Team Canada on this one. Um, so it's like what we said was going to happen almost immediately happened, and it almost <laughs> yeah. happened twice in this series. Yep. So it's like it proved why you need to be a team player and step up to the plate, especially coming from the mouth of someone who said, I'll do anything for my team. You won't. You won't. You flat out lied to us. <laughs> That's all you did. Yeah. Yeah. I also, I don't get the, the six out thing is what baffles me too, yes. because you know, if you run into trouble, you're going to Robles and there's so much data showing that like closers coming in with a clean inning mm -hmm. often get the job done. But if yeah. they're coming in with guys already on base, they very often screw it up and allow those guys to score. And that's mm -hmm. exactly what happened. Yeah. So it makes all the sense in the world to immediately go to Robles for the ninth right yeah. away. And I thought and not, I had... Wait. Oh, sorry. Sorry. No, I was just going to finish oh, with yeah. and not wait. So yeah, it true. It didn't make sense. Um, my, my thing is I thought... I could be completely making this up. I thought Cora came out and said that he was going to be using Schreiber in the ninth if a, if a, if a save proved to be. But then it's like, so maybe if you flip the bullpen and you use these guys before and then you bring Schreiber out, you might be able to win this game. So I just felt like he used Schreiber in a way that was different from what he said he was going to do. But again, I could be totally making that up. Yeah, I mean, I guess... In his defense, it was a 4-4 game mm -hmm, when he, he used him in the seventh. But mm -hmm. if it's the tie game in the seventh, I'm probably holding off. Yeah. Because <laughs> it yeah. seems like it would be trending towards a safe situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So that's why I was like, oh, why you're using him here. But potentially I thought he was going to be the one closing games for you. So, yeah, maybe utilize somebody else in that thing yeah and you cannot say 100% unequivocally with Tanner Houck the Red Sox win but with Tanner Houck the, the entire landscape of that pen is different yeah and that's a fact like that yeah. is an absolute fact yeah um, and it also yeah. just mm -hmm. adds a little more to it like you pointed out they used Schreiber bottom of the seventh and then immediately took the lead in the top of the eighth <laughs> so, yeah. and you're like that uh, hurt great um, but then uh, we had our final game. Uh, we did get a we did get a W. It was it was nice. This was uh, this was a series that we should have, in my opinion, taken the series. But you know, we at least salvaged that final game. We had Pavetta. He did his thing. You know, it was six innings pitched, five hits, two runs, both earned, uh, three walks, five Ks. Um, like uh, once again, looked pretty damn solid against. Again, I'm gonna keep saying it. A great, great, great lineup. Then Schreiber did what Schreiber does. He followed with a nice clean inning. And then good old Ryan Brazier blew that save because we knew that was coming. Um, you know, uh, and then Strom nearly blew it again in extras, but was able to hold on for the win. But to my in my opinion, with, with Strom, again, this was he did his job and then we overused. But that's what's happening when you don't have that extra person in that pen. True. Um, but it was a it was a great night for the offense. You know, two more hits from Verdugo, including a hell of a home run. Uh, four hits from Franchi. He almost went five for five. Like, really. Uh, so six of the eight hits for the Sox were from, uh, you know, Verdugo and Franchi. It was great. Um, even with the hot offense, you know, we did leave us. Uh, apparently, we left a season-high 30 men on base. Uh, Could have been even. Or is that from last that was from the last one. Damn, I didn't all right, I thought I so. Was, oh, yeah. My bad. I was like, <laughs> Scrambling with the pre-pro and left, left that in there on accident. 
It's all good. All Sorry. right. I was like, wait, did they do it again? I was like, whoa, I watched this game. I didn't think um, that. But anyways. No. 19. Yeah, so 19. 19. All right. So they left 19 men on base. So it could have even have been uh, more of an offensive showing. Like they did win 6-5, but they went into the ninth. Uh, they were leading 6-3 at that point. Um, so... You know, it was it was close again. It was nearly blown once more. So it's proving time and time again the value of that other person in the pen. And I think that Haim needs to even add another person to the pen, whether that be the people at AAA that have been performing well or you go out and you make a trade. But overall, uh, I thought Pavetta had a great start. What did you think? Yeah. I mean, and particularly going up against Manoa, who has just been mowing absolutely everybody down. Mm-hmm. Um, he was really going to have to keep pace. Uh, to keep the Red Sox in it and give him a chance to win. That's exactly yeah. what he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was one of those, like, um, <laughs> it was weird to say, but it was one of those, like, ace versus ace games mm-hmm. where we expected a pitcher's duel, and that's what we got. Yeah. And Pavetta showed up and battled and went toe-to-toe with Manoa and kept pace with him. I mean, nearly identical lines for the two of them. Um, it was tied when they both left. Uh, or actually, uh, Manoa had an extra honor run there. So um, Pavetta had the upper hand on him at that point. So I, I was really impressed because it was a really tough lineup. It was a really yeah. tough opponent. He was going to have to put everything he had in the start of exactly what he did and came out on top. Yeah, I agree completely. And now, uh, what do you feel about the idea of Whitlock coming back into the bullpen? Because for me personally, I think, I want him, we've discussed this before, I want him to be a long-term starter. I wasn't expecting it at all to happen this year. I thought he was in the pen all year, and it would have been, you know, the offseason, then you won't go into 2023. But, um, well, foreseen circumstances, because we knew, um, you know, Hauk wasn't vaccinated, uh, that he had to be pushed into the rotation a little earlier. But now with the injury, I think at this point for the rest of 2023, he would be valuable in that pen because if you keep Hauk in there, you have him and Hauk. I think they still go and they add someone else. You could potentially go from having a terrible bullpen to a pretty elite bullpen by adding him back in there, especially when you're going to be getting Sale back. And then, um, you so you would have Sale, Waka, Pavetta, um then i don't know maybe you have hill in the rotation or not but i also know that they're gonna be having um what oh god why am i blanking on his name uh oh yeah so like no 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 who's coming in august big maple paxton 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 paxton's gonna be back in august as well so they just have an embarrassment of like starting pitching that i think it can you can throw uh, Whitlock back into the pen to help the pen for 2022 but I just don't want people to think like I that this is it like I think he needs to be a starter but I think it ha- it should be in 2023 truthfully I think he needs that full off season to prepare himself yeah it's I thought he should have started in the bullpen this year only because he was their best option for closer mm-hmm. I felt um, and when he started in the pen and they weren't using him as a closer because they still wanted to keep him stretched out as like for the potential to um, be a starter later in the year. I don't really get that because yeah. it's so weird to stretch guys out mid season. It's mm-hmm. really awkward. It like you don't get to utilize guys in a way that you otherwise would. This is absolutely the way that you, that he can best help the team now here mm-hmm. in 2022. Cause he still is their best option to close. 
unless yeah. they go get somebody else. Yeah. Uh, and even then, I still think I'd rather keep him in the pen for the rest of this year. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with you. I still think that he should be a starter, but it should be next year and he should be given an entire offseason. Literally, they should be like, hey, okay, here's your plan. You are a starter, so prepare yes. this offseason like you're a starter and then start him in the rotation and let him go. Don't do this. Well, we're going to make you a reliever, but we're not actually going to really use you as a reliever. We're going to like use you in like weird long stints to piggyback off people. And then just in case we need to use you as a starter. And then we're going to use you as a starter. But then we're also going to use you as a reliever. Like, that's yeah. so confusing for a dude's body. Especially guys that like need the repetition like pitchers do. It just... It was such a weird way to use him, and I'm glad that yeah, they're absolutely. they're coming back and saying, "Here's your role. Here's how we're going to use you. This is going to be it for the rest of the year." Yeah, because come like potentially come August, like I'm I'm actually not sure where where Avaldi is in coming back, but by come come August to like you know getting your pushing your way into the pen, I mean into like you know into you know postseason, you have you know Sale, Avaldi, Paxton, Waka. And like Pavetta, and then you're even going more deeper where you're like, okay, what are we going to do with Winkowski? Is he just going to go back down to AAA? Or where are we then doing with Rich Hill? Like come August, there truly is like a logjam of starters. So I do agree that I think Whitlock for 2022 is best served in the bullpen. Same. All right. Red Sox take one out of three. Who do you got for MVP? Oh, Verdugo. He has just been looking so great lately. Um, Like everything is just been improving and he's he's healthy which i've always thought that when he has hasn't played to where you know we might believe he has the capabilities of playing is because of injury i think we're truly seeing that player that you know the dodgers were promised and then we were promised and i am so excited about it yeah same i went with verdugo two hits in every game plus big dinger in there that had to be him it's looking mm-hmm. real hot looking yeah. real good clutch Love too it. like clutch like he's been clutch (laughs) all right we'll take a quick break come back and preview the series against the cubs all right you are up to the minute standings the american league east the yankees still in first 56 and 20 red sox back in second 43 and 33 half a game ahead of the blue jays at 42 and 33 uh two games ahead of the rays at 40 and 34 and then the orioles in fifth 35 42 now, Red Sox coming to Chicago, coming to hang out with me on the north side, uh, facing the Cubs, who are 29 and 46, fourth in the NL Central. Um, pitching matchups for this game, we got Hill versus Sampson, Winkowski versus Mills, and then TBD for the Red Sox, possibly another one for Seabold, we'll see, uh, versus Thompson for the Cubs. Um, how do we feel about those matchups? I think. The Red Sox have a great chance to sweep. It is embarrassing how bad the Cubs are, and it's cute how they thought they were going to be good. Like, <laughs> I, like I don't, I truly didn't understand what they were doing this off season. Like, I, I don't understand what their logic was because this is this is the team they are right now. They are in a rebuild mode. I don't know why they went out and they did some of the things that they did. So, like, you better, I don't want to say you better sweep, but you better sweep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's not a great lineup. Mm -hmm. And these pitching matchups are, I mean, really favor the Red Sox. Um, I imagine the the only, I guess, potential thing is we could see Waka there in that last game. But Mm -hmm. then um, about to start a series against Tampa, there's 
really no point in pitching Waka against the Cubs. Right. I agree. <laughs> it's way more sense to pitch him against Tampa. So yeah. I imagine we'll see either a bullpen day or Seabold in that last game against the Cubs and see Waka against Tampa. Uh, the lineup, the Cubs are rolling out. Uh, Rafael Ortega leading off. Wilson Contreras. Ian Happ third. Patrick Wisdom fourth. Nico Horner fifth. Jason Hayward sixth. David Bodie seventh. Alfonso Rivas eighth. Christopher Morrill ninth um there is no power a whole lot of strikeouts they do have some speed mm-hmm. but uh they gotta get on base first so i'm not super scared about that yeah i'm, I'm glad that um the, the cubs won that 2016 world series because the team that we all thought was gonna become a juggernaut just immediately imploded on itself and now we're at this point in you know cubs you know, Cubs for the fans of the Cubs. So I, I'm sorry. Um, I hope you enjoyed 2016 because it could be another hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not great. No, it's not great. <laughs> what's what's there now? Um, yeah, I think that that kind of covers everything. I don't think there's a whole lot more to dive into. Mm. Um, yeah, we both got a prediction of a sweep there. Who's your prediction for MVP? I've loved what Franchi's been doing. I love bouncing off of that last game in Toronto. Uh, you know, like we said, these matchups really favor the Red Sox. I think I think we're going to get a great series from Franchi, and I'm really excited about everything that he's doing because between Franchi and Winkowski, man, this this trade's looking looking pretty nice for the Red Sox. Yeah. I went with Verdugo um, just because we've kind of been waiting for him to get back on track. Mm-hmm. And now it's kind of all starting to fall in place. We, we've talked about on this um, this podcast about how he's been really unlucky. Yes. His bat bit was super low, but his batted ball profile was really good. So we were kind of just waiting for it to all fall back oh, into place. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of easy to, to piggyback off of that really, really good series he just had in Toronto. But, um, you know, sometimes that low-hanging fruit is worth it. So I'm going to pick Verdugo to have another really good series and just build off of all of that great success you just had. I would so. love to see it. Heck yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll do it for us. Thanks for listening. we got a, some other great pods coming out. Hopefully you uh, listen to the uh, Red Seat that just came out yesterday. Uh, if not, uh, go listen to that. What are you waiting for? <laughs> it's a good one. Um, got the Prospect Pod that Bob does coming out, um, I think, monthly or – at some in some interval that's coming out so uh yeah there you go you can find all of us at over the monster where we write stuff um and you can find me on twitter at spoken keats you can find bailey at frawline 89 that's gonna do it and we'll catch you later in the week